We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we begin today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. A United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket launched from Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida shortly before 7 p.m. on Thursday. The rocket carried the Boeing Starliner capsule on an uncrewed mission called Orbital Flight Test 2. Some 22 hours later, Starliner began zeroing in on the International Space Station and performed a series of fly-arounds, approaches, and retreats which were designed to demonstrate its ability to rendezvous. The capsule successfully docked with the ISS at 8.28 p.m. on Friday. Thus far, the test has been a huge milestone for Boeing in attaining its goal of transporting NASA astronauts to and from orbit. The aerospace giant signed a multi-billion dollar contract with NASA in 2014 to ferry astronauts to and from the ISS using Starliner. The docking proved the capsule can make its way to the orbiting lab, something it had failed to do previously. The first orbital flight test in December 2019 ended prematurely after Starliner experienced a series of software glitches and became stranded in an orbit too low to permit a rendezvous with the space station. Issues continued as Orbital Flight Test 2 had to be scrubbed last summer due to stuck oxidizer valves in the Starliner propulsion system. Nor has this test been flawless. NASA and Boeing officials revealed Thursday night during a post-launch news conference that one of Starliner's thrusters malfunctioned during its critical orbital insertion burn 31 minutes after liftoff. Starliner will remain docked at the ISS for four or five days before departing for a touchdown in the western United States. Should the capsule successfully perform its remaining milestones, it could be cleared to carry NASA astronauts to the space station possibly as early as the end of this year. The CW has announced that the upcoming seventh season of Riverdale will be its last. Based on characters from Archie Comics, the show offered a mature take on the Archie Comics world, with its characters dealing with murder, drugs, sex, and much more. The news was part of the network's 2022 fall schedule release. New trailers dropped this week for season three of The Boys, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and season three of Umbrella Academy. You can view the trailers on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages, and while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed, and we love to be liked. 
The Boys returns to Amazon Prime on June 3rd. She-Hulk Attorney at Law debuts August 17th on Disney Plus. And Umbrella Academy returns June 22nd on Netflix. The planned Wonder Twins live-action feature at HBO Max will not be moving forward. The news comes in the wake of Warner Brothers' merger with Discovery and just over a month after it was announced that K.J. Appa and Isabel May had been cast in the lead roles of the DC film. It would appear the production was a casualty of Discovery boss David Zaslov's pledge to cut approximately $3 billion in costs at the newly merged company. Variety reported earlier this week that a new Daredevil series seems to be moving forward at Disney+. Plus. While no official announcement has been made, Variety sources indicate that Matt Corman and Chris Ord are attached to write and executive produce. Rumors have persisted about the possibility of a series, particularly following two of the stars of the Netflix Daredevil series, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, having appeared in recent Marvel projects. Marvel Studios representatives do not comment on projects in development, and reps for Corman and Ord declined comment. Matt Shackman has joined Apple TV's live-action Godzilla and the Titans series as an executive producer. He will also direct the first two episodes. The as-yet-untitled series continues the story of the legendary pictures MonsterVerse. Chris Black and Matt Fraction are co-creators for the series and both will also executive produce along with Joby Harold and Tony Tunnel of Safe House, Safe House Pictures as well as Hiro Matsuoka and Takamasa Arita of Toho Company Limited. Black will serve as showrunner. Toho is the owner of the Godzilla character and has licensed the rights to Legendary for the series. Some sad news as composer Vangelis passed away on May 17th. He was known to genre audiences for his musical score for the movie Blade Runner. He was 79. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness repeated as the number one movie at last weekend's domestic box office, earning $61 million. In its first 15 days in release, the film has earned over $310 million domestically, which already surpasses domestic earnings on the first Doctor Strange. Worldwide, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has taken in over $723 million. That figure also exceeds the total global earnings of the first movie. And the movie is poised to take first place again this week. But the summer movie season is fast approaching with more blockbuster films on the horizon. On today's show, we're talking about some of the news items that I have reported on and more. But first, here is the official spoiler-free review of Top Gun Maverick. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Top Gun Maverick is the sequel to the 1986 blockbuster starring Tom Cruise. Top Gun, more than even risky business, is the film that propelled him to stardom. And after seeing this movie, audiences will surely regret 
that it has taken 36 years before the release of a sequel. In many ways, Top Gun encapsulated the 80s. It also provided a significant boost for U.S. Navy recruitment. The soundtrack featured some of the hottest artists and remains one of the best-selling of all time. And yet, after having seen Top Gun Maverick, I'm glad there was so much time between films. A sequel released in, say, 1988 or 89 would have been a much different movie. Top Gun Maverick finds Pete Mitchell still in the Navy. He is a seasoned officer, a test pilot for a high-altitude hypersonic craft. But he didn't have the career one might have expected. True to his call sign, Maverick never learned to conform to certain military norms. While he remains one of the most skilled naval aviators in service, his individualism and unorthodox nature have thwarted his ascension to flag rank. It is only his friendship with Iceman, now Fleet Admiral, that has prevented him from being bounced out of the Navy. And Maverick still carries the sting of losing his radar intercept officer and best friend, Goose, in a tragic accident. Following a mishap during the test flight of the suborbital hypersonic plane, Maverick is transferred back to Top Gun for a special mission. He is assigned to train a group of young, hotshot pilots for a dangerous mission behind the lines of a rogue state. One of those pilots is Goose's son. While at Top Gun, Maverick has a chance run-in with an old fling, Penny Benjamin. Benjamin is the daughter of an admiral, and their relationship caused trouble for him earlier in his career. Can Maverick successfully train the young hotshots for a mission in which not all are expected to safely return? Can he protect Goose's son without causing the young man to resent him? And will he take a second chance with Penny Benjamin to bring love to his solitary existence? Despite its appearance as an action movie, Top Gun Maverick has more going for it. The time between films allows for the lead to have developed given his age and experience. And the audience benefits from being able to compare and contrast young Maverick with this older, more mature version. One of the more interesting elements to that characterization is that older Pete Mitchell, if not wiser, is more self-aware. In some fundamental ways, he hasn't changed, but he understands his shortcomings and has compensated for many of them. The screenplay by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie further develops the character and offers Maverick a chance for redemption in a way Top Gun couldn't. Tom Cruise is a wonderful actor who offers up a nuanced performance. Jennifer Connelly is a nice addition to the cast. Connelly's character is legacy by benefit of having been mentioned in the original. The fact that she has history with Maverick is vital to the story. And although her character is there only to support the male lead, Connelly is an outstanding actress who shines with what the writers give her. Miles Teller plays Goose's son, Bradley, call sign Rooster. Teller has impressed me with his most recent performances, and he too stands out in what could have been a two-dimensional role. Top Gun Maverick also stars John Hamm, Ed Harris, Charles Parnell, Monica Barbaro, Glenn Powell, Lewis Pullman, Jay Ellis, Danny Ramirez, Greg Tarzan Davis, and Bashir Salahuddin. Val Kilmer appears in a brief cameo. While few films can boast the robust soundtrack of the original, Top Gun Maverick won't disappoint you. Some of the original music is recycled, and Lady Gaga and One Republic have cuts. 
And once stuff starts exploding, you're not going to be paying attention to the score anyway. I really enjoyed this movie. It lost some credibility towards the end, but if you're going to see Top Gun Maverick, you're probably not looking for realism. And this film hits all the marks for nostalgia, as well as action and romance. It's a brisk 2 hours and 11 minutes, and is rated PG-13 for sequences of intense action and some strong language. As with the original, it's not a movie for kids. There isn't any nudity, but it deals with mostly mature themes, and I think children would be bored by most of it. Bottom line is, if you like Top Gun, you'll love Top Gun Maverick. Two and a half stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Four. And there you have it. The official FF review of Top Gun Maverick, starring Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, and Miles Teller, which opens nationwide on May 27th. Time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Camille Richardson and Mike Lunsford. Welcome to the show. Hey there, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm. Ex this is the first time I've been in studio, like physically, in, I, I don't know, like a, like 25 years or something. Like, it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> well, it, it is funny to actually see you here. Uh, you know, and I, 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 I got out of saying, and via the miracle of technology, Mike Lunsford. <laughs> You know, because that just seemed kind of redundant. But I did want to touch on something that we had mentioned while the review was playing. And, Mike, you had said that you had been no fan of Top Gun. And uh, I, I just wanted to throw in, because uh, in the olden days, back when that movie first became available on... Uh, uh, on VHS, <laughs> I was living in a group house with these three other guys. We had a uh, VHS, which we had uh, gotten uh, pirate-like, <laughs> sailing the high seas. And we had four tapes, one of which was Top Gun. Actually, I think we had three tapes now that I think about it. One of which was Top Gun. And so... Uh, in the same form or fashion that Lion King played in my house when my kids were little <laughs> every day for years. Top Gun played in that house repeatedly. And so I became intimately familiar with uh, Pete Mitchell. And you said you didn't even know the character's name was Pete Mitchell. Nah, I just figured his yeah. name was Maverick, period. Like, <laughs> it, it wasn't a creative nickname. They, he, they were like, what's your name? He's like, Maverick. Okay, we're going to put that on your helmet. Cool. Like That's his call sign. I Everybody know. has got their call signs he that just, they go by. He just lucked out that his name happened to be Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those movies that's like, it's, it's part of your cultural DNA. Like, everybody's seen it. Like, I I've haven't. seen it. I can tell you many of the scenes that are in it. I can tell you the basic premise of it. It was just, it's never been one of those movies that I, like, put up on a pedestal. And when they announced they were making a sequel, I was like, all right, that's a decision. <laughs> but from, based on your review, Mr. Campbell, it was it was quite a film. It was. It was enjoyable. It was. I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I have not heard anybody say anything bad about it. Well, apparently it got a five-minute standing ovation at Cannes. Dang. Yeah, I was, you know, <laughs> you know, that, that was basically what I said. And I, I, here's the thing, though. The original Top Gun, 
it wasn't really that good a movie. I mean, it was exciting. I mean, the music and and you know, Camille, you said you haven't seen it. Nope. I, I've got um, a couple of the uh, a couple of the songs uh, on my uh, on my iPod in the car, <laughs> and uh, there's one. There's this is uh, one song, "Mighty Wings," and I can't remember who did it, but oh, I, whenever I play that um, song, G-trick. I oh, okay, let me tell you something. Yeah. I crank. The, the car stereo totally up <laughs> because there's a guitar riff in there that you've got to play at like as high as you can crank up and try and blow your speakers. I mean, it's just anyway, but it, it, like I said, very exciting movie and increased uh, the um, uh, recruitment <laughs> for the U.S. Navy. But this this is actually a good film. And. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get too into this, but I. But it's it's a thing now because we've seen it with uh, the sequel to Blade Runner. We've seen it with the recent sequel to Ghostbusters, where there's a movie or Mad Max. and hmm, we, well, eh, they started doing those a little sooner. I mean, I was, but that's also a pretty. I good guess ex- I mean Fury Road specifically. Oh well, yeah, you know. Although the the one distinction that I would make is that they did have these other films before Fury Road. And so where the Ghostbusters Afterlife and Blade Runner 2046 or whatever, 20, I can't think of the title of it, but I think that was the title of it. Um, these were follow-ups to an individual film. And so in a better, well, they did well, do a Ghostbusters. That's what I was getting ready to say. They did do a very forgettable Ghostbusters too. But the the ability and the opportunity to for for the the nostalgia factor is where i was going with all of this and the ability to grab people who had seen these movies decades ago and draw them in again and actually pluck their heartstrings a little bit you know because that certainly went on in ghostbusters afterlife which wasn't that good a movie but i ain't gonna lie i was crying at the end of that movie i'm like oh is he God's ghost? Oh, my God. it's so beautiful but and and similar type of thing uh, here because uh, you know there are there's some opportunities for you know the plucking at your heartstrings and you know oh here's Goose's son and Goose's son is a pilot and he's trying to protect Goose's son and even Penny Benjamin the admiral's daughter who Goose had mentioned that admiral uh, that uh, Maverick had a close flyby over back in the day you know it's a legacy character that they brought in and um, even even Iceman is in it. Iceman is like the commander of the freaking Pacific Fleet. Good for them, you know? because I yeah. know Val Kilmer's health has not been great. And mm. I'm, I had I, I read something that Tom Cruise was like, I'm not doing it without him. Exactly. And that was, mm-hmm. as much as I have issue with a lot of the things that Tom Cruise does, mm-hmm. um, from what I hear, like when he's on set, he's a stand-up dude. He protects his staff. He protects the crew. Like, he did mm-hmm. this for, for um, Val Kilmer. So, like... He's not all bad, I guess, in the long run. <laughs> Just don't marry the guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's that. Yeah. Well, you know, and I suppose there's also the, uh, I, I don't know where he stands on, um, uh, what is it, uh, the L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, Scientology. Oh, no. Scientology. He's a big fan. Oh, big yeah. fan. Well, He's yeah. a, one of the elite with them. Oh, yeah. He does no wrong in their book. I'll, I'll, I'll have to give him a pass on that. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. 
We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Mike Lunsford and Camille Richardson. We were just talking a little bit about Top Gun, the, excuse me, the upcoming movie, Top Gun Maverick. We had the official FF review, and that's an action picture. That's sort of covered by the genre of this you, show. You ready yeah. for this awesome segue? You might yes, say, please. when he was in the cockpit, that Maverick was a daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Thank you. Well, I'll be here all week. You know, we we might as well pivot to that. I had wanted to uh, say something about uh, some of these, um, well, particular, well, some of the trailers that were released this week. But the fact that we got the news that Daredevil is in development as a show now for Disney Plus, I think that's very significant. Now, Camille, you were uh, checking out some news about that. Well, I mean, the big question, since this has been coming out of Variety, uh, is, you know, is this going to be a continuation or is this going to be a reboot? I've seen both words used in several articles. I think that it would be a giant F.U. and middle finger if they did not continue the series, having had season three as being straight up Frank Miller's born again, and we are right on the cusp of dealing with Bullseye. And, I mean, that's his... That's his, you know, Batman's Joker. That, that That's the one that we really, really want to go into aside from Fisk, you know? So I, I, I'm ready. That's what I want. Uh, and I'm hoping they don't reboot. I think that would be kind of a difficult move at this point. But I also know that, what was it, D'Onofrio had said when Hawkeye came out and he had showed up in that series that it is the same version and the same world as that of the Netflix series. So oh, yeah. That's I'm partially <laughs> trying to bank on that and being hopeful that it's going to continue and not be a reboot of any sorts. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so too. I, Of all of the Marvel series that have come out, including the Disney Plus stuff, the Netflix stuff, all of that, all of it considered, Daredevil is the best, in uh, my opinion. Like, it's not even close. And the... Th- second and third seasons the one with the punisher were was incredible the third season with bullseye i never bullseye was just he was just a guy that was really really good he had really great aim that was all he was as far as a character to me but the way they developed this character in the third season i actually cared about this guy and like you felt bad for him dealing with trauma and, and mental it was, health yes and it was so well executed and to i agree with you 100% if they don't continue that that's that's just a shame. And I don't think Disney at this point is going to just blow that off because if anything they've shown that they listen to the fans. They well, they listen and like they kind of course correct. So I I got a feeling that these right now they're talking about um Ward and Corman are the writers they're talking about doing it. It's the same showrunners from Netflix. Yeah. I think that what they're trying to do is, is they're saying here. Go yeah. ahead. It's, and then, it, now you're on Disney. And like I did read one thing that was like, are they going to be able to make it family friendly? That, yes. Who cares? Did you not watch Moon Knight? That was not family friendly. <laughs> like, I don't think that they need to worry about that as much as they, they think they do. Because Daredevil was intense at times, but I don't think it was that bad. But I think, the one thing that we didn't yeah. get from Moon Knight that we did get from Daredevil was... And I'm not trying to like hype up violence, and I'm not trying to hype any of that up. But I felt like we were kind of... Um, 
got a little bit of the short end of the stick because we didn't get to see those moments. That's and true. And it was like a cutout scene every time Moon Knight went, you know, Jake, and yeah. we didn't see any of that. And I that wonder was if kind that of was disappointing. I wonder if that you was stylistic. Well, actually, no, maybe you do meet Jake. I was yeah. going to say you meet Steven. Maybe you do meet yeah, Jake. Yeah. I wonder if yeah. that was mm-hmm. because they had to or if that was stylistic. If they were trying to do that to show that there's another personality. But, like, we had talked about it on GGR that, like, one of the biggest gripes that we had was that, like, all of those things that you wanted to see, because Moon Knight is a brutal character, we didn't see. Mm -hmm. And, like, I want... I. Fingers crossed. Now, now the more I think about it, now that we talk about it, I really hope Daredevil doesn't run into that. Because exactly. Because the violence is not what made that series as great as it was, but it certainly helped. I mean, and, and that's one thing where I had issue with Hawkeye, because I don't mind you powering up Wilson Fisk. In fact, if anything, he should be a little more powerful. But in no way, shape, or form should Kate Bishop be able to get right back up and just keep going after him. Like, that was the difference between any of the fighting with the Daredevil Netflix series. It was completely realistic. You saw Daredevil get the absolute snot kicked out of him multiple times. And what does he do? He gets back up every time. Every time. So you have to have that level of realism that... that, effort put into the martial arts and, and, and to make it look the way it did. I mean, even in, like, the second episode when he's doing that knife fight, like, it is super violent, but it's super real, and if they take that aspect out of it, I think it's going to hurt it. Well, all right. Uh, while you all have been talking about this, uh, and actually after the initial comments that you made, Camille, um, I was considering this because on the one hand, uh, they so while Marvel has used the Matt Murdock character and the Wilson Fisk character. They're the only ones that we've seen so far from the Daredevil series. So there is an opportunity. I mean, I I do think hiring the showrunners from Netflix suggests that there is an interest in keeping some continuity from that project. But uh, you can take it in any number of directions. And uh, although, you know, it's kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, you know, you can easily lift this thing and bring it over to Disney and kind of insert it. Because uh, even though I think that there is a um, well-seated interest in keeping things family-friendly, and I'm doing the air quotes thing with my fingers... Uh, I think that all of these characters, and if you look at Moon Knight, if you look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, and if you, if really, heck, I mean, you look at WandaVision, you know, in certain certain aspects, uh, it, all of the there there is an intensity to this stuff, and it's uh, you know, it's not child's play exactly, and so yeah, there are your elements that are going to be uh, of of greater interest to some. Uh, members of the audience, but you know, there there's still going to be John Walker cutting off a terrorist head <laughs> using Captain America's shield. I mean, you got to have that stuff. And you know, even though, all right, it, Mike, you had said something about the intensity of the Moon Knight character. Uh, you know, with whom I'm very familiar with, have been reading Moon Knight practically since his first appearance in Werewolf by Night uh, decades ago. But um, Daredevil isn't, he's not the same kind of character. I mean, yeah, all of them are violent. Yeah. But, you know, with with DD, it's kind of more like fun with a purpose. You know, I mean, and, and he's almost taking worse than he's dishing out. 
Oh, absolutely. Like you don't, (laughs) this sounds ridiculous, but I mean, when when my my parents had passed, uh, one of the things that got me through that time was reading, especially the the Bendis Daredevil and the Frank Miller Daredevil. And Mm -hmm. even though my life sucked greatly at that moment, I I just kept going through it. I'm like, yo, my life ain't Matt Murdock's. (laughs) Because he just gets like thrown through the mud times 10. Like, and, and, and you see him completely lose it. Before we, had, before we had gotten on the air, we were talking about the potential of a Daredevil cosplay you could do. And yes. we started talking about all the different ways that you could like show that you were beat up. Because is, is it really a Daredevil slash Matt Murdock cosplay if you're not like bloody and beaten? Like, <laughs> yep. that's, that's who this character is, yeah. And that's interesting because uh, I, I think that's, that's practically a key element to the character. And if you look Resilience. back at... Well, yeah, but if you look back at his history, you know, there is some of that. And I have said many times that the the ultimate comic book happens to be Daredevil number seven, uh, Stan Lee, Wally Wood. Look it up. Uh, Daredevil is fighting Namor the Submariner. <laughs> now, you can just tell. You know, the, these two characters' power levels are so drastically different that... This should be, I mean, there's no way Daredevil can fight this guy, you know? And yet, uh, he did. And, it, it, well, uh, and, and he got the crap kicked out of him. But the, the key was that Namor responded to the honor and the nobility that Daredevil displayed while they fought. And so even though he beat him, um, you know, this was one of those situations where, all right, I'm going to try to honor uh, what it is that you are doing here, you know, and uh, you know, and this is also, I think, a central element to this particular character, uh, because he's uh, he's an attorney in real life. I mean, a this very is good lawyer. Yeah, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> but even his role as a lawyer fits the character as well. He's oh, yeah. protecting well, the that's, underdog. That's and that's like, what I'm saying. And yeah. he cares about the law. Yeah, and he is the mm. underdog. Yeah, and that Ooh. the. Of all of the things that we've seen, because like even just saying that it's my favorite series that they've done as far as Marvel characters are concerned, it has the best scene I've ever seen on screen, and it's when him and Frank Castle are on that roof and he's got him chained to yes. the chimney, and that back and forth between the two of them, like them basically saying, "Hey, did you want to know what my character is? This is who my character is," and explaining it to each other, but also to the audience. Like to this day, that is still my absolute favorite scene in the MCU as far as the TV shows are concerned. Hmm. Well, and I wonder, does that actually count as... Because that was Netflix. I don't know if that actually counts as MC. I mean, I know what you're saying. The only reason I would say it does is because they do Mm. mention the attack on New York from Avengers. Oh, they mentioned that through all those shows. And then what D'Onofrio said about, you know, his Wilson Fisk is the same from the Netflix series. Mm -hmm. So it makes me hopeful. Retroactively, it's MCU. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, they're sure trying to incorporate it there now. I mean, especially if they follow through with all this. And there was one rabbit trailing slightly, but now there's also been talk because now they've been seeing Kristen Ritter and she is, apparently there's been some photos of her. I know you're looking at me the way you are. Uh, No, no, it's (laughs) Kristen Ritter. That was the second best show on Netflix. Dude, that first season, oh my God. I mean, David Tennant, holy hell. Uh, but yeah, the fact that you know she's been seen now with the similar hair, with the jacket, like you know, how many of these folks from the Netflix 
world are we going to get? Like, you can't not bring Foggy in. Like, There's, I would love to see Jessica come in. There was a picture of Kristen Ritter we'll and Mike Coulter together yes. on social media, and I was like, sweet Christmas, they're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Iron Fist, you can, uh, you can stay there. <laughs> Sorry, well, that would uh, be we're interesting. Gonna, we're going to recast you, bud. Sorry. That would be interesting, depending on what they decide to do with him. But look, that musical cue means it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. That means, among other things, that we're non-commercial. We rely upon the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Please make it your business to visit the website of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at arlingtonmedia.org, or that of WERA at WERA.FM to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of this wonderful institution that is community radio, community media. So, look, we are going to pause while we acknowledge our underwriters. We're also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other wonderful WERA offerings coming up later tonight. But stick around, because Mike, Camille, and I will be right back right after this. Don't go away. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today in studio by Camille Richardson and Mike Lunsford. And when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about the upcoming, well, we hope it's upcoming. There are rumors that the show that originally aired on Netflix for Marvel, Daredevil, starring Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, is coming to Disney+. Plus. And it seems as if this is likely, because of course these shows left Netflix and where else are they going to go? Because we've agreed Daredevil was the class of those shows that were on Netflix. So we're going to keep talking about that for a little while before we move on to the next thing. So uh, where, where were we with this, people? We ended on uh, Jessica Jones, but I was mentioning some things while on break about, well, we know that Wilson Fisk's power set has been upgraded a bit, more, more comic accurate. I genuinely wonder with, with Daredevil, because with this Netflix series, it is very much the Frank Miller power set. It's really just heightened senses and so forth. But it almost makes me wonder, will there be any kind of introduction to the radar sense of which Mark Wade brought into the picture? And that could be really interesting to see. Well, the radar sense was there all along. And I mean, Mark Wade might have 
uh, emphasized it, but you know, from the inception, I mean, the radar was what he was really supposed to have. And what pissed me off about the Ben Affleck movie, it was all sonar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, to the point where, oh, I've got to tap my billy club on something because I need the sound waves. It's like he don't need Jack. <laughs> that he he sits there. I mean, his hearing is astounding. That's that's one of the heightened senses. But this radar sense, he just knows what's around him. You know, got nothing to do with sonar. So, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that that was all along. Well, yes, but Frank Miller's, it's not quite that way. Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, even though Miller put his <laughs> stamp on the character, sure, uh, you sure. know, Daredevil had been around. Yeah. Young but either lady, way, it would be young interesting. Lady, Daredevil had been around yeah. for a long time. If, 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 if they go with that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, see. yeah, you know, I mean, and, and especially uh, having seen like how, how can we, have you guys talked multiverse? Spoilers? Can we, uh, multiverse Madness? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, we did last week, didn't we? Yeah, we, we talked, uh, you know, it was, uh, we talked more multiverse than multiverse of madness. But if you want to, hey, be warned, <laughs> be warned, yeah, there spoilers, may be spoilers. spoilers. No, if you want to throw something in there, by well, all means. Well, just something interesting that I appreciated, which was within the Illuminati scene, which multiple aspects of that I appreciated. Uh, but, you know, just being able to see, like, Black Bolt's power and the way they did that. And that was very cool to me. However, I hadn't watched the Inhuman show I know that got canceled rather rapidly. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that there was. <laughs> so any I don't know how to... that looked there. Nah, I tried to watch it. It wasn't very good. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. But yeah. also, in hopes they keep things dark, you know, we did have Multiverse of Madness, which we could say is easily one of the darkest things that Marvel's probably put out there. Ooh, so. yes, mm-hmm. and it was outstanding. Yes, granted, it was the, the you know the Sam Raimi stamp, but mm-hmm. but still fantastic. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see because yeah, you can't bring you can't bring. Uh, Daredevil in as PG thirteen. Even Car- Charlie Cox has flat out said that. Like he's like, you know, it needs to be, it needs to be R. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd love to see them nod to some of the other pre Frank Miller stuff. I mean, I, I, regrettably, it seems the Black Widow is no longer with us. But I'd love uh, to see the Black Widow I've, running I've, around I've with I've Daredevil. I desperately wanted mm-hmm. that for so long. But that's the great thing about the multiverse. True. Apparently, I mean, they know. did it. They did it in the What If series. They they literally took a Black Widow from one universe where all of the rest of the adventures were gone mm-hmm. and put her in a universe where the Black Widow was gone. So that, that's the great thing about this is they've literally just made the sandbox just a billion times bigger. And if you're missing a character, guess what we can do? We can go get them from another universe. And they don't like, have to be the same actor. I mean, no. look at No Way Home. I mean, you can have different mm-hmm. people who become either Spider-Man or become these characters. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I and I really wonder if 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 ScarJo would even come back now at this point after all of the stuff that happened. Oh, I mean, he's going to be they, working they with they them offer. as a producer. I did, and yeah, that's right. Things. I did so, see like, that. They yeah. did kind of like you know clean it up a bit. I mean, I, I don't blame her for what she did in any way, shape, or form. I don't blame her either. No, no, and like I think that the deal was not good. No, but not at all. It it sounds like they worked it out. Hopefully, maybe. I'd like to see her come back. I don't think that her. Her overall character was given the right justice. There was only really two well-written Black Widows, and that was mostly Winter Soldier and and the Black Widow movie itself, but it was just too little too late. Um, Otherwise, they had no idea what the hell to do with her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I forget that you know quite a bit about the Black Widow. (laughs) And in fact, people, you know, this lady, among the fabulous cosplays that she does, because she only does fabulous cosplays, uh, the Black Widow was 
one of the, well, I don't know. I, I kind of, I have a soft spot in my heart for typhoid Mary, but also <laughs> for no Rogue. One does it. But yeah, that's true. No one does it. That's true. That's true. You know, but you know, the the when I when I looked at you wearing the Black Widow garb, I didn't see Camille Richardson anymore. I saw Natasha Romanoff. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> hey, we both so, got yeah. early trauma, so it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the key is this is your familiar your familiarity with that character. Yeah. So I'm inclined I'm inclined to listen to you when you start talking about <laughs> you know how they have not necessarily done justice to this particular character. Although I, I am happy to see they are bringing more females in, they are giving them better uh, writing overall. Um, I still have some issues with overall. And this is not a sexist thing, but I, I was saying earlier, like, there's mm -hmm. no way Kate Bishop can get up and just fight Wilson. No, Fisk. you're right. Like, there's certain stuff where you lose. That's a story thing. That ain't it. You know, I yeah, mean, because Kate have Bishop, she's, for that. she's a novice. No, no, no superpowers yeah. whatsoever. I'm sorry. This is not a sexist thing. It just bothers the hell out of me. Well, but, you know, <laughs> this is something that in the comic books, Marvel has done commonly and casually i am reminded of but they always take somebody who is supposedly an olympic level athlete a la uh, patsy walker when she first became hellcat and oh come on now it's like i'm to believe that this woman despite the fact that she may be an olympic level athlete she puts this costume on and she is running around with the mighty avengers and she don't get killed this is like, okay. And then on top of it all, it's like Captain America and Iron Man's idea for her to put the costume on. You know? It's like, can yeah. you play cat? And bright yellow, you know? <laughs> Point her out. Make her yeah, decoy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but, but this is something that Marvel commonly did in the comic books. I mean, there'd be some character that was running around and, oh, put a costume on and, hey, you too can be a costumed athlete superhero. I mean, that is one thing I appreciate about the Black Widow movie, and we got to see a lot of that in the training and, and, and then all those aspects. Um, and same with Yelena. Now, I don't know a ton about Yelena from, from the comics, honestly, but who knows? Maybe they could do certain things where they have her even team up with Matt or something, but I know they're kind of gearing it towards Dark, dark Avengers, so, hmm. so we'll see, but... All will be revealed. And then, well, here's another segue. I mean, I also believe that we're going to be seeing Matt within um, uh, She-Hulk. Ah, well, and that's two lawyers. Yeah, well, you know, that yeah. would yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and yeah. and you know, perfectly timed because that I personally, I really enjoyed that She-Hulk trailer, and yes. I haven't been, I've been, I've been dying, and I haven't connected with Shireen to find out because Shireen is a huge, huge She-Hulk fan. And I, I, I want to find out what she thought, but I, I, and I heard people complaining about the CGI. As an older guy, I never understand. Well, okay, the only time it was in that second Matrix movie, the fight <laughs> with the Hundred Smiths. Yeah, the CGI was kind of jacked up on that. But ordinarily, I'm not complaining about what the CGI uh -huh. looks like. And it, I, hey, look, Same, I, honestly, like, I, very rarely do I say anything about it. It just. I think the only time that I've ever really noticed it where it was jarring was when they removed the mustache from oh, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. I was like, God. That, all right, that's a choice. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of bizarre. But yeah, like yeah. I, don't, I didn't see anything in the She-Hulk trailer where I was like, oh, the, the CGI. No, I thought it looked cool. Like, how are you okay fun. With, 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 with Bruce Banner's Hulk, but you're not okay with hers? Like, <laughs> It's... 
it's whatever. You know, I, I, I think it's something that people say because they want to come off as being especially knowledgeable about the technology and about the industry. Yeah. And so, yeah, the CGI was kind of questionable on this. I don't it's know. It's like when people use the word pacing. <laughs> well, I liked it. I just thought the pace. Shut up. <laughs> you know that's that's like being in the uh, music studio. Hey, can you bring the levels up there on uh, on was, that particular instrument? Or give uh, some more travel. Oh, it's more yeah. travel. Yeah. <laughs> People trying to sound knowledgeable. Yeah, but I'm and I'm looking. Hey, yet another. It's funny because Camille, you were just talking about this. Yet another. Uh, female-centric series, you know, because we've got Ms. Marvel that's yep. coming. We've got that She-Hulk fun. that's coming. Yeah, you know, I mean, and why not? You know, I mean, even though they, and I, I, I'm not trying to have this be a thing because goodness knows we talk about social justice and, uh, you know, so the criticism of uh, so-called woke culture quite a bit. But uh, I don't see the problem in cultural sensitivity and you've got a lot of great characters that happen to be female and uh, yeah let's focus on them let's uh, you know I, I, everybody should be able to see themselves in these heroes and uh, you know so if uh, you have some young girls who can see Black Widow or they can see Ms. Marvel or they can see Captain Marvel or She-Hulk or Storm or whomever and see themselves in these characters what in the heck is wrong with that? I mean as a little girl like I mean what got me started into everything was X-Men Animated and I just immediately attached to Rogue in every single way shape and form and there was so little available at that time in the early 90s mm. for anything that was that heavy badass female centric mm -hmm. um or just having those characters that were just so on the same level of their male, you know, co I mean, Rogue was the strongest one. Yeah. Easily. <laughs> I mean, she like, could yeah. still be questionably, because, you know, I always think with Multiverse of Madness, like, is there going to be any kind of retribution or revenge that's going to be coming from, from what happened with Xavier? And, like, you know, we're talking about Scarlet Witch being this insanely powered, more than almost anybody else, even taking out, you know, Captain Marvel, but it's like... The one who could undo it all is Rogue. <laughs> Insanely powerful. She just has to get close enough. Mm. But yeah, we need more. We need more females that way. And, and it does seem like there's a huge shift. And I mean, I remember in Captain Marvel, the movie, and I'm not even a huge Ms. Marvel person, but and not just because I love Rogue, but <laughs> I remember like I had tears in my eyes in the scene of just like her getting back up every mm. single time. And I'm like, six year old me needed that. Like, yeah. I needed that so bad. So I'm just so glad that a whole new generation actually gets these strong women. I think when, um, I think my favorite part in that was when um, Jude Law's character. Mike, Mike hold, yeah. hold that thought one second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Camille Richardson. And Mike was getting ready to make a point. I'm pretty sure I know which scene it is <laughs> when, that you're getting ready to talk when about. When Jude Law is like, fight me with no powers. And she's like, nope. And just blows him across the screen. Like... She's well, like, I don't got to prove anything to you, Chief. I was getting nope. ready to say, yeah, and you, yeah. you just threw it in because I was getting ready to say the one thing you left out yeah. when he's like, no, prove to me that you can beat me without using those photon blasts. Or I could, you know, not. 
Yeah, yeah. you know, a, a la Indiana Jones shooting the swordsman. Yeah, pretty you know? much. Like... I just the the thing that blows me away is how often fragile white dudes oh have no problem getting real upset at anything that Brie Larson does. <laughs> And they're the ones that are the most vocal critics of the She-Hulk series thus far. And it hasn't even come out yet. And, like, I, I, I had somebody say, um, there's something going around. They were like, well, I just didn't like her. I don't think she's a very good actress. That was like, and my response was, Tatiana yeah. Maslany? No, they were talking about Brie Larson. Oh, um, oh. I was like, yeah, the Academy Award winning actress isn't that good of an actress. Yeah, you're 100% correct. You're absolutely right, dude. Like, and same thing with, with She-Hulk. Like, I've heard people already criticize her. Oh, well, I don't think she's the right pick. What did you want? Like, <laughs> it, I, I think a lot of the geeky, nerdy culture wants the opposite of what happens every single time. doesn't matter who you cast. Remember Heath Ledger when he got cast oh as the Joker? Oh, oh he's going to be awful. He's going to be the worst. Like, um... Robert Pattinson. I don't want to see uh, Twilight sparkly Batman. I don't want to see that. He was, in my opinion, one of the best Batmans I've seen on screen. Period. Yep. Like, yep. everyone wants to be a critic. And 99 times out of 100, I can't trust anything that anybody's saying when it comes to these things. Because it's normally just sour grapes for whatever reason. And I think it's also an issue of that they don't want to share. They don't want this now to be a mass audience's thing and be shared with people who they see as less than and less knowledgeable so it becomes this ownership issue Mm. well i appreciate that uh, at least the criticism of uh, robert pattinson and um who is that other actor you mentioned i've forgotten heath ledger Ledger, yes you know i mean because uh, at least if the hatred is going around you know and and i it's funny because when the criticism about and i was offering some bit too but gal gadot before wonder woman and you know what i heard was um you know people well some some younger fans uh were talking about yeah well when ben affleck was cast as batman you didn't hear anybody questioning his appearance it was all about his acting chops and well no but see i i had to well i had to share that there was another guy who got cast as Batman a number of years ago? He's just a comedian. <laughs> He's exactly. too short, right? <laughs> and I, yeah. I was wondering about that one myself. <laughs> but you know, it, at least all of that was simply about their appearance. I mean, the stuff with, the literally stuff with Heath Ledger and Robert Pattinson was about what kind of performance they were going to offer in these roles. And um, you know, so hey, as long as it's uni- all that to say, as long as it's universal hate. That's fine with me, you know. It's only when we single out certain groups <laughs> as the targets of our ire. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> because it's like I was saying. I, I think that everybody deserves to be able to see themselves in these characters, and, and and I'm reminded that, and this is this is the real issue because for so long, all of these characters were white males, and and that was what you had, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, if all I mean, of a sudden, was upset with you know Sam Wilson taking on Cap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, in some quarters, there were people upset with just Sam Wilson being the Falcon. It's like, wait a minute, what's this? Why, do, why does Captain America need a guy, a black guy, hanging around with him? You know, we don't need that. Yeah, because there's America's no black guys in the military. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, but but there again, um, and when this stuff comes out. And and this is the bottom line, and this probably I appreciate what you were saying, uh, Camille, because 
it's called show business for a reason and these marvel properties have been extremely lucrative and it's just good business to do these female centric projects yeah. I mean, I mean only Kevin what, Feige what, is 50, no dumb. 3% of the population of the world is female? <laughs> yeah, no, we wouldn't want to cater to the majority of the population. Why would I mean, even that? in like, what, 2015 or so, like, there was an article that came out and it was, and there were some Marvel folks talking on it and they're like, yeah, it's not a boys' playground anymore. You're talking about like 47% of the readership is now female of new of new material. And it's just like, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, and they want content that is going to be relevant to them. Yep. You know, I mean, and it was one of the reasons why I used to scratch my head, even in terms of the merchandising, because it's as if some of the manufacturers didn't believe that girls were going to buy certain toys. And I can tell you just my own personal experience as a younger person when I had toys, depending on where you were and who you were hanging around with, you had to protect your stuff from the girls because, yes, they would want to play with your action figures or your you know, devices or you know, whatever. I still you know? have all my Toy Biz X-Men. They got lost at some point. I had a ton of them. Oh, I don't know where they are. I lost all my Ninja oh, Turtles. That makes me that so was sad. Upsetting. <laughs> I do have. I have the Cyclops, the one with the little switch on his back where his li- eyes light up. Like a buddy of mine. And a shout out to Andy Barsh, uh, a GGR guy. <laughs> he he found it at like a uh, a swap meet and got it for me and sent it to me. And it's it's hanging oh, up. Oh, that is so cool. Different versions. Got, like, oh, it's the blue version? and white one. You've, oh, it's the yeah. X Factor oh, one. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I liked that costume too. It's a good one. Yeah, my favorite one was the Jim Lee one, like oh, the yeah. with all the. I mean, it was very nineties, the pouches belt. and pockets yes. and sashes. And but you could see his hair. I always liked I like the skull that. cap thing on him. You know, it's yeah. funny. I grew up not a, a Cyclops fan, and like as I've gotten older, I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> I love I love seeing his progression as a character. I loved seeing him go from apple polisher, like Boy Scout, to all of a sudden he's this huge defender of mutant kind. Oh yeah, and like, and the, he was right. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite version. Yeah. I love that one, too. Especially, like, at one point, Magneto and him are having a conversation, and Magneto's like, dude, I'm just saying, you're pretty much saying exactly what I was saying before. And he's like, yeah, but I'm actually getting stuff (laughs) done. He's like that weird, (laughs) complete hybrid of Xavier and Magneto and kind of where they stand. Because I think it was, like, the world was coming after them, and he's like, listen, mutants aren't going to come after you guys, but if you come to our door, be prepared for us fighting you back. Yeah. And however that goes is going to be on you. Yeah. And yeah, I I've it. I've loved him since since I was a kid. He was always my favorite, mostly just because I mean, optic blast, ruby quartz glasses. Come on, that's dope. Who doesn't want a visor that shoots <laughs> lasers? I mean, that's the coolest thing ever. Well, and if you happen to wear glasses, that was always a cool kind of thing too, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't no, hit a guy with glasses, would you? Yeah. <laughs> well, but what you were saying about Cyclops being a hybrid of Xavier and Magneto makes perfect sense because you know he was a young guy and. This was the way that he came up, you know, I mean, under Xavier, but also seeing Magneto and, uh, you know, all seeing the way that society reacted to the mutants and recognizing that uh, Magnus had a point. Yep. You know, so... Uh, and no, Xavier's I mean, way just, it, it wasn't cutting it. Not consistently effective. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, but the X-Men... 
I, I, I always, not that I had anything against mutants, mind you, but I always preferred the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and, you know, guys like that. I mean, the X-Men, they, they were taking it a little too much on the chin for my taste. I mean, as a, as a young outcast and a black sheep, that was the one that I identified with, and that gave me the ability to keep going forward. Yeah, the X Men were my were my first real big Marvel property. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. That was the the team that brought me into Marvel. Going yeah, it was the franchise. Yeah, you know, I mean, for a long time. Hell with the movies though. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a whole nother conversation. But look, that musical cue means that we are out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, uh, you can check Fantastic Forum out, the TV version, if you visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got all the episodes uh, in their complete form. We've also got the various segments broken out for your convenience. The show is also available as a podcast, a radio show, that is. Thanks to Mike Lunsford and our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. You can find it on all the platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. The show also re-airs right here on WERA each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4 p.m. If you miss any portion of the show in first run on Saturdays, be sure to check us out on Thursday afternoons. And, of course, come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. We'll be here. We hope you are. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. <laughs>